vibe over what we love and vibe over what we hate maybe more welcome to we were so happy microaggressions and where they happen i'm your host nicole young if you haven't had a chance to yet take a listen to the intro podcast um it gives a little bit of background about why microaggressions are important to explore Um, and why we need to talk about them. People of color need a space to vent and share, um, and white people, you all need some some time to listen and hear the stories of people of color um, so that you can understand the kind of microaggressions that are perpetrated daily. So, um, it is a rainy afternoon in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I am joined by the beautiful Steph DeWool. Hi, everybody. And she is gonna help me talk through a story she's heard before, but I'm sharing with you all uh, for the first time. And I please excuse the rain and a little bit of the thunder in the background, but since it was raining, we thought we would record the podcast. Because there's nothing that rains on your parade quite like a microaggression <laughs> in the middle of the day. So this story is from my time working at my last job. And so I had recently taken over as executive director of an organization. The person before me, my predecessor, was a white man, and he had been in the job for seven years, et cetera. Um, And so there was a lot of, people had a lot of feelings. People had been working there for a really long time and had a lot of feelings. Um, And then in particular, there was a white man who was a professor. He told one of my colleagues that he was very worried about the future of the organization now that I had been hired. Um, And that colleague asked why. And he said, the reason why is because I wasn't an academic. I'm not an academic. And I just don't get their system. I don't just get, I don't get their program. And it was clear to him because I was hired that the organization was disinvesting in our campus. Um, and he told this to my colleague, who then repeated to me, which is also a little bit of a microaggression. But we can <laughs> <laughs> we can pause on her and talk instead about him. Um, and <laughs> before Let me we just recap that, Nicole, what yeah. you're saying is that what we're saying is that a white professor at your school noticed that a black woman got hired as the executive director, and to him that signaled that the school was in trouble. This was clearly a sign of the school choosing to, di- to disinvest. Disinvestment. He said specifically disinvestment. So for me, <laughs> so much about it. There was so much about it that was so problematic, but I remember in particular just off the merits of resumes, right? Like off the merit of my resume, and the resume of my predecessor, they were almost exactly the same. So we're the same age. Um, We both got our master's around the same time. We both graduated from college around the same time. He went to um, a private uh, liberal arts institution as an undergraduate, and he um, went to a public institution for his master's degree. I went to a public institution for my undergraduate. I went to an Ivy League school for my master's degree. And the difference, the only other difference between our two resumes is that I used to work at the White House. (laughs) (laughs) And this other person um, did not. Surely being hired wasn't testament enough of your qualifications. No, 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 no. It was clearly an affirmative action move. And it was also very clearly an, a sign of disinvestment in the campus. So, yeah, I just, so I bring that story to y'all because I um, haven't felt 
able to share it before um, and I feel very free to share it now. And I think I wanted to talk about it with you, Steph, and just talk about the layers of that particular exactly. microaggression. Exactly. This man is really exposing what his subconscious thinks about black women, right? And to him, there is concern because clearly a black woman is among the lesser qualified people to run a school. Therefore, the hiring of a black woman can only signify a disinvestment in the longevity and future of the school. Um, and that is a perfect example of a microaggression. It's a loaded statement that is written in some sort of prejudice that has not been examined. Uh, and I mean, I, it's, it's sort of hard for me to understand how he could even let those words be spoken without realizing the degree to which that is offensive. Yeah, I mean, and he said it so brazenly. Damn. Like, he, 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 he said it in passing as if it was... That was a lot of thunder, y'all, sorry. Um, as if it was... It was understood Absolutely. that she would also share this belief that there was a disinvestment in the campus because of my hiring, solely on the basis of my hiring. Absolutely. Um, and I just... Yeah, I just remember when, and this is like maybe a month into my job exactly. that I had this conversation with my right. colleague. This is how you're being received. Yes, right? and, and being told that I am being perceived by a colleague, like a colleague is sharing that. Um, and I remember asking her when she shared it with me, um, I said, what did you say? Yes. What did what you say to you. that? She was just like, well, I just said, you know, da, da, da. Um, but she didn't give a real answer, and she didn't really. Colleague? Yes, another white colleague. She didn't give a real answer, and she also like clearly hadn't defended me in that, in that moment, or pushed back. It's also an offloading of her responsibility in the moment uh, onto you, right. right? And so now you are made accountable to deal with that, um, which all you signed up for was to take a job and to run an organization exactly. and to do it in good faith and in goodwill. Absolutely. And, like, I just think that, um, yeah, it was just really incredibly hurtful. Well, of course it's thing. hurtful. It's, it's incredibly hurtful because what it does is it, first, it reduces you. Oh, my God. It reduces you to a set of stereotypes that are so, like, deeply embedded in our, the way our society thinks about black women, right? And then it also tells you that it doesn't matter how exceptional you are, right? But what's even more concerning is how easy it is for this man to make that statement. Yeah how comfortable he feels deriving concern from your presence as a leader. Yeah. And I think that's where this microaggression is very reflective of microaggressions that black women in the workplace face all the time. To your point of what do you have to do, what is the bar for exceptionalism? What is the bar even just to be thought of as a competent well, human? What is the bar to be accepted by your new employees as a, a valid and worthwhile leader? Um, because the truth is that when that is a statement you're hearing as a new leader of an organization within your first month of arrival. Uh, what kind of hoops could you even jump through to validate or justify your presence there? This person has already decided that you're not worthy of the authority that you've been given. And so often we have to do jobs and deal with people's uh, uh, reactions to the fact that we're qualified to do those jobs. And so basically you're, you're already signing up to do over 100% uh, of work because you're already planning to put that into your job. Now you have to add additional energy to dealing with this man's unexamined issues with you that have solely to do with his racism and nothing to do with your actual qualifications or ability to do the job. And so yet again, here you are expected to do more work because of his pre-existing beliefs about what a black woman does and does not symbolize. Right. Um, I think another interesting piece, and you touched on this a little bit, Steph, mm -hmm. but like 
it's a particular type of microaggression that I think black professionals face in an education context in particular mm. um, because people are serving and working with black and brown children. They believe that they have done the work absolutely to eliminate their own bias and to absolutely. eliminate their own racism. They believe that because they have these interactions with young black children and because they're able to teach young black children that they have overcome many of the things within their own biases. But the thing is, like, there's a power dynamic there. If just because you are able to interact with young black children in a way that elevates them and lifts them up doesn't mean you have done all of the work. And in fact, the real challenge is when you are being managed by a black person, when you are in in community or a peer or have to report to black people, because then the power dynamic has shifted. And now your ability to command the situation has also shifted. Absolutely. And your biases come through in those moments absolutely like i'm your boss now right and you this this would is what would happen if one of the black children that you work with hopefully takes their rightful place in the world and owns their every their abilities and their passions and takes over something one day white people will have to work for them and have you created a world absolutely have you done your part in making workplaces that celebrate that celebrate, that embrace, um, that uphold, that support, you know, women of color as leaders, especially black women as leaders. Have you done it? No, that is such a good point because it's so much easier as an adult to recognize that you're bringing, um, A, to recognize the emotions you're bringing to a child and that you are bringing positive things to a child. Uh, And I actually think that it is really professionals who are working with children, whether in the education context or not, who most need to examine uh, their racism and uh, and the ways in which they are participating in microaggressions that constantly undermine their black coworkers and colleagues. Yeah. That's such a good point. If they, if your only positive relationships with black people are with children, right. and you can't foster those same kind kind of relationships with adults and right. with your peers. Right. That means you've got some things. You've got some things, and you've absolutely got some work to do, and you might not be as far along in the work as you assume. Thank you to the lovely Steph DeWall for helping unpack that particular microaggression. Um, it's it's also really healing to just be able to share, man. Amen. Um, and say out loud Amen. the things that have happened. And vibe over what we hate, maybe more. Share struggles that we rose above. And the battles that we still We were so happy microaggressions and where they happen is made possible by lots of lovely contributors and friends, including this week's special guest, the lovely Stephanie DeWolf. Logo and design by Alexandra H. Corbin. Music by Lion Soul featuring Manchild, produced by B. Reed.